Hi, friend. It's Brittany Moses and Ranella Kalagithi, and you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out. Joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by WeShare by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. Hello, Earthlings. This is Brittany and (laughs) Ranella. Welcome to our world. <laughs> Welcome to the Speaking Our Minds podcast. To our universe. To our universe of Speaking Our Minds. And thank you for choosing to spend your time with us here today. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 2024! Wherever, yes, wherever the New Year finds you. This January, <laughs> you, you made it to another year. Oh my goodness, what a wild holiday season it always is. How did you, did you, I mean, you survived. How was your holiday season? How are you doing entering into this new year? Yeah. Are you asking me or asking them? I'm asking you. Oh, me. Oh, (laughs) since you asked, it was like we do a lot of holiday parties and things, and there were also a lot of birthday parties. It's my son Austin's birthday, and I, it's like a number of friends' birthdays, and then like we host a Christmas party every year, and then it's also my dad's birthday. So like things just really – they're like slowing down in like October and November, and then December it's like, oh, like right at you. But I don't mind it. I really, I'm, you know, as one girl told me the other day at a party, oh, you're an extroverted extrovert. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. There's extroverts and then there's me. Oh um, yeah, so, you're right. I'm not an extroverted extrovert. I'm like a neutral extrovert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, no, the holidays were great. How about you? Oh my goodness. You know, it, the holidays, I, I was thinking about it actually this morning that they were th- probably my calmest and quietest and I wouldn't say loneliest like there's always I have friends I have family um I was single during the holidays and so I feel like that's always just this other level of awareness and 
having said that, I was the happiest, you know, I I was just the most at peace with where I'm at in life. And that's always a great combination. So um, one of my high school friends randomly messaged me and he was like, we were talking about certain things. And then he was like, you know what? Um, Christmas is the time to celebrate what you have and spring is the time to go after more of like making new friendships so just focus on who is in your life right now and so anyway that was yeah. kind of the mindset i took with me throughout the holidays and it really served me oh i love that and for those of you who are listening we hope you had um I, I love this thing they're saying i hope we had a gentle holiday season i've been seeing that a lot which i like because you know, sometimes the holidays aren't always happy for everyone. And Mm -hmm. we've, we've talked more than enough about that over the holidays, about sometimes some of the stressors and family conflicts and the grief and seasonal depression, things that come. Um, so, you know, I hope you guys had a gentle holiday season that wherever you, wherever you were, you were able to, you know, find yourself and meet those needs, you know, and then as we bring into the new year that you'll just be able to continue the journey and the process of, where you're growing toward. Um, and so today we are specifically talking about letting go of people pleasing in the new year. I feel like my whole life has prepared me for this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were just talking about how this has affected us in so many ways. And I think it's a really appropriate topic going into the new year because this is an appropriate it is an appropriate time to think yeah. about what we want to do differently and kind of in enhance in our lives in this new year and letting go of people pleasing being yeah. able to just own who you are learn the skills of communication boundary setting and also valuing yourself enough to let go of people pleasing that's a whole journey so we want to bring you through our own experiences Mm -hmm. as well just to start off and then go into hey what are some of the signs that you might be a people pleaser the impacts that uh that it has on our daily life and a little bit of where that comes from because it's not doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us it's we we learn these things as we get older and they become habits and patterns. And so then we're going to give you some tips for letting go of that and starting to move into the new year in a way that you feel a lot more in control and you have more capacity to give in ways that are meaningful to you. Yeah. When I think about people pleasing, I feel like it really is a skill when it comes to practicing some of these um, assertiveness skills, these boundary skills. I think that sometimes people think, oh, these things should come naturally to me. But even social skills um, are skills that have to be practiced and and mm. and practiced in relationships for you to get stronger and stronger in them. I do believe that there are some people where they are actually just kind of naturally stronger in these things, whether it has to do with the way that they were brought up or the constructs that they were given growing up um, and might have some of that advantage. I know for me, it wasn't a natural skill for me. Um, You know, I grew up very much as a people pleaser and just the girl that was quote unquote too nice and would kind of let people take advantage or kind of like, Mm. you know, be a little bit of a doormat, you know, didn't really know how to defend myself or say things back or, you know what I mean? I just, that wasn't something that came naturally. And I actually would like to think it's because my family actually gave me a really safe home as a child. Um, Mm. And so I didn't expect the world to just be mean, (laughs) you know, like I just didn't expect both of my parents are very nice people. Like my family was just 
very nice and loving and kind. And so that was my worldview is that, Mm. okay, like we're just supposed to go into the world with kindness and what you put out is what you're going to get back, you know, and then you grow up and you go into the world and that is not the case. You learn that people take advantage of kindness sometimes Mm. and that people don't always have the best intentions, even though you do. And that if you don't stand up for yourself, that you can actually enable people to continue mistreating you. And so those were things I feel like I had to learn is where I have brothers or siblings who are actually on the side of being a little bit more mistrusting. And so they actually are looking out for those things a little bit more, but then they have to kind of learn the other sides of like grace and compassion, you know, what have you. So anyway, all that to say, yeah, for me, what I realized is, you know, combating people pleasing is one of those things that it's something that I have to keep coming back to. Like I'm definitely stronger in a lot of those skills and they are part of who I am now. Um, But I can still find myself getting caught in those habits of people pleasing that I have to come back to and reground myself and stand back in my own grounding again. And so that's why I'm glad we're talking about it because some of us, you know, well, all of us pretty much here are adults And uh, we're still practicing some of these skills in the workplace and our relationships. um, And that's okay if you're still having to revisit and repractice some of these skills. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing your own particular experience, because I think a lot of this is very subconscious and we're not aware of it until we get older. And I recently spoke for a, a university in the area that my one of my former deans from high school works at now so she saw me there and she remembers me as a 16 year old Mm. actually probably as a 14 year old even a 13 year old because she lived there uh, even before i was a high schooler and she just gave me such incredible insights in our little conversation after i spoke because she remembers how i was being groomed to be a people pleaser, how I was being, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if groomed is the right word, but um, like conditioned, conditioned because mm-hmm. she would see how involved I was in everything. Right. So I was involved in music and sports and community service and all of the things, all the extracurriculars. And um, because I grew up at a church school, I was in charge of so many things that had to do with like all the church ministries. And she would tell, she she told me this now, of course, as an adult, that back in those days, she would sit in those staff and faculty meetings and say, you need to stop asking Renella to do things. Wow. It, right? Like that was so insightful for me because at that age, I was just like, like, hey, you know what? I, I'm so happy that people see me as valuable and, and want to ask me to do right. things. But right. she was telling them like, yeah, you know, let her just be a teenager, like let her live her life because you're asking her to do so many things. And I'm afraid that she's going to, you know, like develop some type of mindset where she feels like she has to do these things in order to, and that's actually exactly what was happening without me even knowing it was the feeling that I was valuable only as long as I was useful to people. And that was being taken advantage of without them realizing it either, I guess, but they were the adults in the room and they were the people that were kind of like 
working me hard and also celebrating that I was helping out so much. So that right. narrative kind of continued because when it came to my family, you know, they were always pretty good with boundaries and, you know, allowing us to have the boundaries that we needed to have. But when I entered into that world of service, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit too, how mm -hmm. our external circumstances, even religious circumstances can create mindsets and beliefs where we feel that we need to overextend ourselves in order to be like Jesus or in order to be a good right. person or a good, a good Christian. So that was kind of my story. And I, all of that broke for me when I was around, honestly, a lot of things broke for me when I was around 27, but, um, it wasn't until I was, you know, just a few years ago when I was 30, that I actually started realizing the physical and emotional and psychological impact on mm -hmm. my mind, body, and spirit from not knowing my own limits and not being able to advocate for myself. So this is, yeah. you know, there's just so much that goes into it. It's really interesting how people pleasing gets moralized right mm. into good or bad. And I feel like once that gets moralized, it feels like this is the moral thing to do. Mm. And that's like, that's a whole other construct, you know, but also speaking a lot to what you said, and even my own experiences of what's taking place is that there is this subconscious conditioning that's taking place because through observational learning, you are learning what gets rewarded right? Mm -hmm. By people, either through praise or through approval or through, you know, um, them treating you differently or through status or maybe through popularity or what have you, you are without really realizing it, this observational learning is taking place socially where you are going, oh, when I do this, this thing happens. Or when I do this, they say, good job or they reward right. me or they think they see me this way or they start including me more they invite me to more things when I act like this right and we're not like verbally saying these things to ourselves but our brain is smart it picks up on these things and based off of these rewards we start shaping ourselves around this reward system mm. so then what happens a lot with people pleasing is you're actually getting further and further away from yourself and you're conforming more and more into what other people see and more and more into this reward based system even though it might not be totally you or what you should be doing. You're doing what you think others want to see. Um, mm. and, and I think it is very common that you hit your thirties and you're like, wait, this is not who I am. You realize you build, built your entire self around the, your social self. And, you know, we talk a lot about that in our episode with Jen, um, which is coming up about your true self versus your tr false self and how all of that develops. But it's interesting because there is a conditioning take, that takes place, but it's there's also kind of a normal part of that conditioning that takes place that I think happens with a lot of people. Right. You're just learning because you're, you're just learning from your environment what benefits you. And right. there is an aspect, and we'll talk about this more, but there's an aspect of people pleasing that serves you. And that's why you keep doing it. You know, when we keep doing and engaging in habits that you know, maybe aren't the best for us in the long run, it's it's typically because it's serving us in the immediate and we're getting that immediate reward and recognition and approval. And so that's why we keep doing it because yeah, we're overworked in the long run and we're burnt out, but we keep getting these hits of reward when people are praising us, you know, and elevating us and accepting us and approving us. And mm. so 
you know, we're wired for belonging and connection and relationships. So I think um, it's very normal for something like that to happen. Now, this is so good. And when we come back, we're going to talk about signs that you might be a people pleaser and some of the impacts that it has on our day-to-day -day life. Signs that you might be a people pleaser. Always saying yes without even thinking about it, right? You oh. haven't even taken yourself into account, your own capacity into account. And this is really, and you'll see this commonly throughout the signs, is there is this form of self-abandonment that's mm. taking place. You are abandoning yourself for the rewards, needs, what have you of others. Um, so yeah, just saying yes without even thinking about it. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Like I, I have to say yes if I don't then. Um, yeah, so over committing and over performing. So no one's even really asked us to commit as much as we are willing to or asked us to go above and beyond the way that we feel like we need to. But, um, and, and I used to look at myself and think, well, this is just who I am. I was almost right. like proud of that because this is how I, I am a generous person and this is how people admire me. This is how they value me. This is how they like know that I am a reliable person is that I'm, I overcommit, I overperform, I'm excellent. And all the while, no one is actually asking me to do that much. But internally, as we'll talk about later, like internally, it's my need to put on a certain type of show so that I can be accepted. And that's not the case for everyone. But a lot of times when we're doing too much and over committing, over performing, there's there's some reason hidden below the surface that's actually not serving us. It's definitely serving the other people, but maybe it's not even what other people expect anyway. Gosh, yeah, there's like something driving that engine underneath there. Yeah. And that ties back into, you know, our next sign, which is being overly concerned about what others think about you. And I know that this is something mm. that I've had to work on where I realized I care more about what other people think about me than what I think about me. Or mm. what happens is, is you start relying on the opinions and views of others to try to get an understanding of yourself. And you try to, you're seeing yourself through how other people see you instead of being able to just reflect on how you see you, you know, wow. and letting that be your standing point, who I know I am, who I know myself to be, or who I am aspiring to be, you know, because actually you have a more whole view of yourself, you know, but yeah, there's, there's that point where the opinions of others matter more to you than who you really are and what you think of yourself. And because of that, that can cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of social anxiety because you are constantly trying to ship shape yourself around what you think others want to see and mm. who you think others want you to be rather than who you really are. And it just further disconnects you from yourself. Oh my gosh. That is so hard when you're still living in that space of feeling like reality is how others perceive you versus reality right. is how you perceive you. So it makes sense. If you think that reality is based on how everyone else perceives you, then of course you're going to do everything you can to make sure that reality is, is accurate. But uh, that's actually such an illusion. Um, but yeah, so another sign that you might be a people pleaser is 
you feel guilty when you have to say no or when you don't feel like you're the one saving the day and that you can't because you know like in your mind i could do this and i'm saying no to it i must be selfish i must be self-centered or i could have made something better that didn't end up happening you know and we'd put all that pressure on ourselves you know as if we're just the savior of the world and yeah. it's it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, like I think there's this one side because we always talk about the nuance. There's this one side where I think it's natural to be like, oh, like I wish I could have helped them or, you know. But I think, yeah, when it turns to guilt, mm. you know, and it turns into like this internalized view of self that's lacking or ne negative, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. Now we're tying mm. our worth to people's approval, which is the next sign, you know, feeling that you have to do things for people to earn their approval. So now you're not mm. doing things out of a place because you necessarily want to, or because you necessarily can, but you feel this pressure to do things because what if they don't like me if I don't do it? Or like, right. what if I lose their approval or what if they think less of me because I don't do this thing for them? You know, again, it's just your whole worth and identity is kind of wrapped around what you can do for others rather than, you know what, whether or not I can do this, I am still worthy. I'm still valuable. Like I am still who I am. And honestly, whether they like it or not, I am okay. You know, yeah. and, and that, uh, again, getting back to that place of untangling our identity mm -hmm. and our worth from being solely based on whether or not others approve of us based off of what we do for them. Because the people who really love you and who really are for you and who really care yeah. about you will love you regardless. I feel that way about the people in my life. I'm like, if you can't do it, that doesn't change how I see you. You're right. human. But if people, yeah. yeah, if you get wrapped up in that. That, yeah, that can be a sign for sure. Yes. Um, and I'm so glad that, you know, in, in our second session section, we're just going to be diving into a lot more of like where this comes from, because it's so easy yeah. to just kind of talk about and easy to be like, oh, we shouldn't do it. Of course we know that. But it comes from a really deep place. So stay tuned. Another sign that you might be a people pleaser is struggling to be honest. Oh. I hope you can start seeing how all of these things we just talked about are all tying together. Because how can you be honest with people when you feel that by saying no, having boundaries is going to change their perception of you? And if your whole world is built around making, uh, controlling people's perception of you, it's exhausting, but it's also just, you know, like it doesn't allow you to be honest with yourself and honest with others. And yeah, you end up saying yes to things you really don't want to do. You end up being like, no, it's not a problem, um, even when it's a big problem. And, you know, and also like you just want to keep the peace. And so you people please and you say, no, don't worry about it. And you sweep it under the rug. And of course, you and I come from cultures that kind of like nip things in the bud and we like talk about things and we're more straightforward, our family cultures. But I know that there are a lot of family cultures where this is how they deal with stuff. It's like, hey, let's just all not say anything and then hope that, you know, over time, it just kind of slowly dissipates. The, <laughs> the problem is it never actually does. And the scary part is that sometimes things will be hidden below the surface for decades and won't come out until finally, you know, someone's ready to cut off the relationship. So 
struggling to be honest is a sign that you might be a people pleaser. Mm. I was just going to say in the future, it ends up like breeding resentment <laughs> and then yes. it catches up with you. You're like, I'm so angry. Why? Oh, because I'm angry about these ways that I, I've been angry at myself. you for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's all that masking that takes place. You know, you're just a chameleon, you know, you're just masking and you are, and I know I've seen a lot of people talk about this online and it's like, oh, I love your personality. It's like, thanks. It's you like, <laughs> you know, like I borrowed it from you, you know? <laughs> That's so You're funny. just able to kind of match people. And um, again, there's a lot of social rewards for that. You know, you could actually gain a lot of popularity and friends from, from being that way. Yeah. But yeah. Long run, it catches up with you. Um, and one of the last signs we're thinking of is just frequently apologizing or taking the blame. Oh my gosh. And I know women do this so much. I do it. The saying sorry for every <laughs> single freaking thing. And it's like... Why do we apologize so much for things that even yeah. like aren't your fault or things you shouldn't feel sorry for? It right. actually just become like a part of our language, you mm -hmm. know, even. And I mean, I was the type of person where someone would bump into me and I say sorry to them. Like, you know, like I was <laughs> that type of person, you know, or I right. bump into an inanimate object and I'm like saying sorry to the wall. Like, you know, <laughs> this isn't about being prideful and being like, I don't apologize for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's again, it's balance. And what I've learned is instead of saying sorry, I say like, thank you. So instead yes. of saying like, sorry, I can't do this. The, my reframe is thank you for your understanding or thank you for being flexible yes. or I, or I appreciate you being able to make changes or so I think that's another thing is like getting different language because I think we're just so used to saying it. And right. so, yeah, saying sorry all the time, always being, it, it just takes on a, I don't want to necessarily want to say a weaker position, but it's just not true. Right. Because yeah. it's just like you, you don't really have anything to be ashamed or guilty or sorry about. It's not something that is your fault. It's not your mm -hmm. fault. And so you position yourself as something is your fault when it's not. Um, right. And so it's just it's just maintain being aligned with that truth of the situation and just saying, you know, thank you for understanding. Thank you for your time. I, I appreciate you being able to be flexible. And I think that just still comes off as very direct and kind. Yes. And, and taking responsibility as well and recognizing like, oh, I'm, you know, I inconvenienced you. Thank you for being patient with me. Um, I, I have adopted that in the last couple of years as well. And I think the importance of that is that you are teaching yourself that it's exactly. okay to mess up once in a while. It's okay to, you know, be patient with yourself. It's okay. Not be perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's okay. You don't have to apologize because when you're apologizing, also apology, like apologizing, that word, that idea is a very strong idea. You know, you ask for, you're asking for forgiveness. You're apologizing for something and you're taking ownership. So not to say that it's wrong to take too much ownership, but you're also not teaching yourself an accurate story about exactly. how you're allowed to just exist in exactly. life. Yeah. And especially when I mean, it, there have been times where it actually was not my fault. It's the other person's fault, but you're still saying sorry. And the reason you're saying sorry is because you're trying to soften the situation. Like you're mm. trying to, um, you're trying to not offend and you're trying to like, 
peacekeep. And that's yeah. why you're saying sorry, not because it's your fault, but because you're trying to peacekeep, but you're taking on this position to do it. And right. that's where kind of the issue is. So again, there's nothing wrong with saying sorry when you like are in the faults and you're trying to, you know, reconcile something or you made a mistake, what have you, but just having, just understanding that balance of just making sure we're not taking ownership of things that are not ours to own. Um, yes. so that we're being aligned in truth and honesty with the situation and that there are kind and respectful and mature ways to do it. Yeah. And so what are some of the impacts of being a people pleaser because these have, I mean, this is such a huge topic because it actually affects us in everyday life in very tangible, real ways that do not allow us to be at our best selves, which also don't allow us to bring our best selves to our relationships. So right. what are some of the ways um, that things that we can experience as a byproduct of, of people pleasing a little too much? Yeah, I mean, definitely stress um, because especially if you are taking on too much and you're just trying to earn people's approval all the time, you're in this constant state of earning. You're in this constant state of working. You're in this constant state of doing, approving, of masking, right? You're just in this constant active state mm -hmm. and you don't really just get to rest. You don't get to rest in your being, in your own sense of self, in your own security. And so it does add this subconscious and psychological stress, but also this physical stress too. Mm -hmm. If you are running your body and yourself physically into the ground doing too much. Right. Um, so definitely stress. And we know this because when you lie, right, part of the reason why a lie detector can detect that you're lying is because there is like an increase in heart rate and there are these physiological things that are happening. You know, there is this increase in cortisol. So these are these things that are detected when you aren't living in truth, like when you're not being honest. Imagine mm -hmm. what happens when you are living a lie, when you are constantly not living in truth. And it's not an intentional lie, right? Right. But still, I feel like your brain and your body knows when you are not settled in yourself and when you're mm -hmm. not living in yourself. And, I, and so, yeah, I think it can create this chronic stress. Um, if not physically, then definitely psychologically. And th those can have long-term effects. Right. You know, you're getting kind of just run over and letting people run your life. And then yes. you don't have that sense of control. And um, it can actually lead you to experience feelings of anxiousness and feelings of anxiety. Of course, if you are in a constant mindset of trying to control other people's perception of you, living out other people's dreams for you, um, not putting down proper boundaries and overextending yourself. You can get really anxious because you've overextended yourself. You don't have enough energy. You don't want to go do the things that you now need to go do. And also lead to feelings of being, you know, hopeless and depressed. Like, is this kind of how I'm always going to be? Because I think when you're in that state of people pleasing, you actually don't know if there are other options. You don't know that there is another option because the other option based on your current beliefs is to is immediately inviting people to think less of you, mm -hmm. to not like you. It's immediately inviting people to, you know, uh, this 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 unknown space of what I I I can live in a space where, where I don't have to care what people think of me. Like that's very unknown. 
that feels very scary. That feels like, again, it's, it's a control thing. Releasing control of that feels scary because then I don't know. Cause truth is, yeah, if I say no, I don't know what they go home and talk about behind closed doors about me. Oh, Renella should have done this. Or why didn't she volunteer to do that? Or what is, and you have to learn how to be okay with that. And that, you know, if you're not in that mindset, then, then it feels hopeless. It feels like this is just the way that I have to live in order to survive emotionally. And um, it can, it can be really stressful and anxiety inducing. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And then when you realign, you find that, you find that life again, you find that spark again, just be surprised. Another way that it can impact you is leading to anger or frustration. And when I think of the anger and frustration piece of this, I think of two sides. I think of one side where for me, it's like looking back, especially when, as I was healing, um, I started resenting people, you know, Mm. and And my therapist, and I've talked about this on Instagram before, and she was like, you know, sometimes when there's resentment, it's because we need to forgive, forgive, we need to forgive ourselves, you know, (laughs) Uh, but she was like, you know, it's because we, you, we actually need to forgive ourselves because we, you know, either did not stand up for ourselves or we knew better but we didn't act or we bended to the will of everyone else's Ooh, yeah. instead of our own convictions because we abandoned ourselves. Mm. That's what we're really frustrated at is that we allowed ourselves to give all power and control to these other people. And wow. in, instead of standing in our own in in standing in ourselves. And so really the bitterness and the frustration and resentment is because we abandoned ourselves And we didn't trust ourselves in situations where we should have trusted ourselves. And we weren't honest with ourselves in situations where we should have been honest with ourselves and did the honest thing for ourselves. But what happens is you end up projecting that on other people. Mm. Um, And so that's where some of that anger and frustration can come out of. The other side of anger and frustration is that you can project it on other people who are living their full lives like unashamedly. Right. Mm. Because you have, a, you have shaped your life around all these shoulds of what, how people should act and should be because you have shaped your life around the expectations of others and right. these, and these rules of others and these constructs. And you have confined your life to these rules based off of social expectations that you learned. Um, you now are holding that over everyone else. And now you believe everyone else should be operating in this way because you operate that way. And you're kind of trapped in your own shoulds, right? You're trapped in your own, maybe it's legalism, maybe it's whatever it is, because you're trapped in your own, you're trapped in other people's constructs. You know, you, it's almost like you think other people should be trapped in that with you. Yeah. And so there can be like a criticism and a judgment and an anger and frustration that gets lashed out on other people who aren't living up to, you know, certain standards or rules or social rules that you have held for yourself. And really deep down, I think you're upset because they're free and you're not. Mm. That's where the real anger and frustration is. They have a freedom that you feel like you don't get to have, Mm. you know? And so then that gets projected. And I, and I see that happen a lot and I, and I can see how my past self felt some of those things. And now I see it. I'm like, Oh, 
you know, it's like, why is that? Why are they so mad? Let this person live their life. Like, why are you so mad? Yeah. Why are you trying to control what they do and their choices and how they express? Oh, it's because you are holding yourself to those things. Right. And you're punishing yourself with a certain amount of rules or legalism or what have you. And so now you want to punish others with it Oh, because, because you felt like you couldn't be free and you're upset that they are. Yeah, that is so good. Those two sides of the anger and frustration and bitterness, because on one hand, it's like I have chosen to be here and I don't want to be subconsciously, but I'm so like frustrated that you get to do all these things that I won't let myself do. And then on the other hand, it's the grieving process of being like, oh my gosh, actually I was the one that didn't know how to put down the boundaries and didn't allow myself to take care of myself. And now, you know, I'm displacing all this anger on other people that I felt like really took advantage of me and worked me to the bone. And, and I think there's a balance there too, because mm -hmm. like some people do take advantage of you, but at the end of yeah. the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, as adults, you have to come to a point in your life where you take total ownership of your life. And that's a really tough journey, but that's why we're here to help you. Yes. And you know what? It reminds me, I was reading this book and she was saying how like she was around the house and she, you know, she's a mom, she's a wife, she does all the work mm -hmm. around the house. And then she saw her partner laying there on the couch and she was just mad. Like, why are you laying on the couch while I'm working and doing all these things? Right. And her partner's like, well, nobody said you, one, had to do all those things. And two, you are allowed to rest too. You're also right. allowed to sit on the couch if you want to. And she realized that, you know, she had all these rules and perfectionisms and things that she was upset because her partner was chilling and she didn't know how to rest. Mm. And so her anger was really with herself, but it got projected. You know, look at them just laying around, living their best lives while I'm here working and doing this around the house. Like you can right. rest too and delegate. You know, right. so yeah, there is, I, I, I was like, oh, that could be relatable for a lot of people. I think, um, yeah. where you're upset because other people are just like either resting better or like, you know, what have you. And it's like, maybe divert that frustration and anger to actually, maybe it's telling me what I need for myself. Yeah, that is so good. And that, that leads us to the relationship difficulties due to a lack of honesty. That's another impact. Oof of being a people pleaser is that you are not honest. You're not authentic about what you want and need. You maybe don't even know what you want and need. And then you're not able to communicate that. You don't know how to communicate that. You see other people living their own autonomous lives and that can lead to false expectations, um, difficulties in relationships because it's like, hey, like I'm living by these set of rules, but you're living by these set of rules. and you know, maybe one person's a people pleaser and the other person's not. Um, but it can really affect us in multiple ways in our lives. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think I think it's really important, you know, if, if you're sitting here and you're listening to all of this and you, you're kind of seeing yourself, I think a lot of us can see ourselves in this. And this is such a journey to get yourself out of. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's really important to understand kind of, the behavioral sociological like all the different influences that that make us the way that we are when we start to people please and so let's get into a little bit of that like why we people please where it comes from and what some of those behavioral like patterns are that we pick up 
my favorite topic, sociology. (laughs) (laughs) Sociology is so important to understand. Honestly, outside of psychology, like if I wasn't into Mm -hmm. psychology, I would totally be in sociology and I continue thinking about whether I'm going to go into social. I think you should. I think I will go more into social psychology at some point, but we are not here to talk about my dreams and aspirations. We are here to talk about the sociology of people pleasing because we want to put things into context, right? People do not exist in a vacuum and especially not here on earth with other earthlings. Um, (laughs) uh, We are all in this web of humanity together and being informed and shaped by one another. And so when thinking about people pleasing, we are thinking about people, you know, Mm -hmm. how the, how the people, how the people play into this. And the truth is that again, we've talked about We did talk about some of the negative aspects of people pleasing, but the truth is that it also serves us in a way because we live in relationship with people and Mm. relationships are what make up a society. Um, It's also what makes up our survival in order to live in a conducive society that operates together. So there does have to be, right? There does have to be some level of cohesiveness, and and harmony within a society in order for it to function and not just completely implode into chaos, right? So, you know, there is not only a sociological aspect, but also just kind of a biological aspect where we are wired for relationships. Um, We're wired for community. I truly believe that. I think the science supports that and the detriments of loneliness on our Mm. physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, But- with people pleasing, we're really just kind of feeding into that cohesion. You know, um, it, it, it can, it can help us go up in status. It can help us make more connections. It can make us more likable. It can help us be more bonded to people. Now, obviously the problem is that some of those bonds, I'm not going to say are superficial, but they might not truly be us. And that can be a problem because then you, you know, you might get to the top and realize you're like, you know, the ladder's leaning on the wrong wall because it's leaning on the wall of the person that you created versus the person that you really are. And then you kind of end up deconstructing your whole life, (laughs) which happens a lot. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's healthy. I think that's healthy. I think deconstructing and reconstructing your life is a healthy part of growth and Mm -hmm. should happen as you are getting to know yourself more. But yeah, just this sociological aspect of the fact that, you know, just going back to, I'm like homo sapiens. No, we're not going to go there. But just going back in time, like we were wired to function as a community and tribes in a tribal manner. And it served us in community to operate in cohesion. And so I I do think that people pleasing can, you know, give a sense of control over our environment by keeping everyone happy. And, and there is a controllability in there because if we can keep everyone happy, then we feel like we can keep everything predictable and in order. Mm. Um, And so that's kind of the like sociological uh, factor that comes into play when we're thinking about, kind of the functions of people pleasing um, at a community level. It has these very practical and these very beneficial and rewarding factors, but it's about how we're being rewarded because not all rewards are necessarily great rewards in the long run. So I love that. I love just the whole kind of broad understanding of what makes us human 
and the mm-hmm. fact that a lot of times um when we find things that we struggle with in our lives they they have a reason and they also yes. have a purpose and i think that's so important you know this is my carl young you know very humanistic perspective coming out but i think humans in general are 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 good and well-intentioned and then we just take it to these extremes based on fear control and we're going to get into some of these influences that create stories in our minds about who we're supposed to be in order to be a good woman in order to be a good christian in order to be a good whatever you know like oh that's uh, i'm indian or filipino like we have exactly a good daughter exactly a successful human um all of these things we have all these beliefs these agreements these stories that we create for ourselves and that were handed to us and this is the process of being able to pick them out one by one and realize and, and figure out does this still serve me is this actually true was that handed to me you know, by someone who maybe didn't have a super strong sense of self themselves. And then I went ahead and adopted their agreement with themselves and it's not, you know, serving me. So one of those influences, and I can speak to this as well, and I think probably every woman can, is the gender influence um, for a lot of women growing up in Western society. There has always been a role that we are supposed to play and if you just go back 50 or 100 years or just go visit one of your local churches (laughs) uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later you'll see some of those mindsets of what women are supposed to be and who who they're supposed to be in society and many times they're supposed to be the servant they're supposed to be the one that serves other people and serves their family and serves their husband and serves their community. And while I am all about service and being a generous person, I think that being a successful woman does not mean that you have to take on all of these roles in order to prove to people that you are a high value person. And I, I, you know, I grew up in a kind of environment where it was implied that I was going to be the one making all the food before we went on a trip for our department. And so I would make, I would literally wake up hours before I worked with a bunch of men and me. And, you know, because I was conditioned to be this way, I actually didn't mind it. And to this day, I love cooking. I love like <laughs> serving. I love doing all that stuff. Um, but now I look back and realize like I would wake up two to three hours earlier than everyone else, cook this whole big thing, put them in nice little packaged, you know, uh, to go boxes and stuff, and then jump in the van when we have this long road trip to go on our trip. And I would be handing out all the food to everyone. They would be singing my praises because I was this <laughs> virtuous woman. I bet they were. I just fit right into the box. Guys, you don't understand what a chameleon I was. That was my identity to be a chame- chameleon. Like I knew how to make people like me. I knew it was going to give me the pat on the back. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I so desperately wanted, especially from the men. And, um, and so, yeah, like I look back now and I'm like, wow, it made me feel so good about myself, but I was totally overworked. I was, I was totally exhausted. I would give of myself over and over and over again and have 
really not a lot of energy left for me um, because I had this idea that as a woman, I needed to go above and beyond. And if I didn't, then I was lazy, that I wasn't a real, like, you know, feminine woman, that I wasn't, you know, someone that was like just someone of value. And I think uh, women in general, little girls are taught, you know, that like, okay, you, it's time to, you know, even we're given little baby dolls, we're given little houses and we cook and clean. I mean, it's just part of the culture. And that's something to be aware of is that if you struggle with people pleasing, it might be because you're also a woman. Just so happened to be. It just so happened to be a female <laughs> who was put into these circumstances and also like given those, that story of like your value is tied to how much you can give. I really appreciate the way that you framed that because it's like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do those things, right? It's like women tend to be, as we say, like horizontally oriented, oriented toward others. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting to serve. I'm the yeah. same way. I'm very hospitable and it makes yes. me very happy. It makes me genuinely happy. Yes. Not even from a place of people pleasing, but it makes me genuinely mm-hmm. happy to make others happy and that they're taken care of. And I love that, you right. know, but I think you're right. It's when it gets to a place where you are burnt out, you are overworked, you are overcommitted, you are overextending. That's where it's like, okay, now why are we getting to this point? You know? Mm. Um, where it is now like beyond ourselves, it's now at a level beyond that, you know, um, that's when I think it becomes self-reflective of these narratives. But also I couldn't help but think I'm going to be that person, how ableist this kind of narrative is, because mm. what happens when you're a woman and you don't fit some of these narratives? For example, what if it, what if because of chronic illness, right? What if because of paralysis or what have you, you can't do some of these things because of maybe, maybe there's a disability or maybe there's just something in your life. Maybe there's life circumstances or just limitations in your life where you can't be all these things. You can't do all these things and you can't do them all the time. What happens is when you have these black and white types of narratives is then you start internalizing I feel like less of a woman because I can't do these things. Yes. I feel like less of a woman because I don't have capacity capacity to do these things. Mm. Like I think about like my mom, you know, she's always kind of been the breadwinner and we let, we've talked about this before in our conversation on singleness and the, the societal shifts of women in today's society. And she's just, she's had to work, you know? And so she could not be the one who cooks all the time. By time she got home, she was exhausted and she was, you know, upkeeping all of us too. So it's just like, does that make her less of a woman because she wasn't taking on these specific domestic roles, you know? And so that's where I have an issue with it. Not necessarily saying like, screw the men, they can fix their own plate. Like, you know, it's not from (laughs) that place, right? It's from a place of like, we need to find balance with this because Mm -hmm. if we don't, the messages that get internalized when we can't meet or fulfill these things are are not okay. And it's detrimental. And it messes with our sense of self and that's a problem. And it can lead to that anxiety, depression, purposeless, hopelessness, what have you. And it's self-inflicted things that we actually really don't need to put on ourselves. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Continuing on, on the different influences, talk to us a little bit about maybe the faith and religious influence of people pleasing. 
Oh, my favorite. This is where I did my best work of people pleasing. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where I shined. So, this is where I, my people pleasing shines so bright um, because you are so rewarded for service and sacrifice, right? When you are in a faith community and those aren't, and, and those aren't necessarily bad things, but it's some things we have to self-regulate. So, you know, it's interesting, like a couple years ago, I tweeted this thing that was like things that I thought were holy, but were actually unhealthy. Mm. And it was things like overworking myself and calling it sacrifice, you know, or um, being burnt out and calling it, you know, holy, you know, and Mm. it caught it kind of went viral. It got so many views and likes. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is hitting a nerve. And a lot of us have been here where we, we, the lines get blurred between like faith and service and people pleasing. And I am someone who dedicated like hours a week to church unpaid, Mm. which is fine. I wasn't expecting pay. Um, but at the same time, why was I doing it so much like, like a job and, you know, and it was just like so much. And, um, there were just pros and cons, but there is this religious language and these uh, religious these religious sayings that come into mm. play that are coming into the narrative of our minds, right? You know, like this idea of putting others first, you know, and you're just supposed to put others first, but there's no context to it. There's no limit to it. There's no, right? It's just kind of like this abstract catch-all, you know? And mm. so it's like, even if it's to the full detriment of yourself. Right. Like you were saying earlier, it becomes moralized where it's like, this is the moral thing to do. There's a lot of moral language that starts wrapping around service to the point of burnout, or like you're doing Mm. this for God, you're doing this for Jesus, or you're rewarded, right? The more that you serve, the more maybe you'll be given more responsibility and more position and more of a leadership role. So then maybe you're actually trying to earn the approval of your leaders. Maybe you want to have a better image in the church, or you want people to have a better image of you in your faith setting. And so there's just so many external rewards that can come to you that are kind of labeled in spiritual language. And it can be really hard to parse out um, if you're not careful. And actually, for me, it's left kind of like taking a break or stepping away for some time from some of those environments to look and get and get kind of a clear, clearer view of what's happening. And it's like, oh, and it wasn't even necessarily that leader's fault, you know what I mean, or anyone's fault, because even that leader is being rewarded in the same way. Mm, right. And there's a right. whole system. There's a whole culture and a whole system that's being rewarded in this way. And so everyone's just on autopilot trying to like prove to one another how faithful they are and how yeah. sacrificial they are. And the right. idea that the more you sacrifice, the more you're like Christ or the more Christian you are, we are equating these things to the level of our faith. And that's so problematic because then it becomes workspace, which is the exact opposite of what our faith is supposed to be, right. you know, it's faith and works, but you know, so it's, it's, it's murky, it's, it's murky stuff. And, and it's just something that we have to, to look out for, you know, when we've been in these, especially maybe you've been in like a high control high judgment environment as well that's based around conformity and in, uh, in order to gain 
acceptance or status and reward. Mm. So the more that you conform to who they want you to be, or the more that you conform to the likeness of that leader or the likeness of the other people around you, the more you are rewarded in that community. So that can happen too, where you can kind of lose a bit of yourself or lose yeah. a bit of your individuality um, or lose a bit, little bit of having your own thought process because there might be a group think that's taking place or what have you. And the more that you look like everyone else, the more that you think like everyone else, the more that you conform, the more that you're rewarded in that community, the more that you are leveled up in that community, um, the more that you lose parts of yourself and conform to being more like everyone else. And this isn't every faith community. I've been in others where... Mm -hmm. They really embrace the individuality. They really embrace the diversity of thought and they don't have right. systems that are kind of like this, but, right. but there are a lot that do. And so it's just something to look out for. It's something to look out for, for ourselves. Um, if these, if these kinds of narratives are operating. Yeah. Oh, that's so important because as humans going back to sociology, we, make decisions based on acceptance we make decisions based on having feeling like we're worthy and that we're valuable uh, that we're wanted that we're safe and so a lot of times when we get caught up um you know in when when our external environment has a little bit too much control for example a religious environment um you know a societal environment whatever then they, when they have too much say, when we allow them to have too much say over what gives us worthiness, what gives us acceptance, what gives us those things, then yeah, we're now we're disconnected from ourselves. We're not aligned with our intuition and we're just kind of following the patterns and following whatever we think is gonna get us that worthiness, that acceptance, that value. So I have this really quick story. Like my parents were involved in a church where they gave so freaking much. I was little, mm. but I've had these conversations as we got older and it was a really like high control environment, almost a little culty. Um, but anyway, th they, <laughs> they had everyone do like a fast and there's nothing wrong with fasting on its own, but it was like a really intensive Daniel fast. And mm. It was like so intense and everyone just did it, right? That I think my aunt landed in the hospital oh, and like no. some people were just dizzy or sick or just not doing well, but they were just trying to continue the fast because this is what, you know, the leader said that they were doing and everyone was yeah. kind of conforming to it. And I mean, that's just kind of a more extreme example of what happens when you're not like paying attention to yourself or you're not like connected to yourself, your own body. And you're like really just sacrificing your health, your mm -hmm. mind, your body, mm -hmm. like all these things in to conform to what everyone around you says that you should be doing. I always think about that story. I'm like, oh wow. my gosh, like you guys were like falling out over this fast. And at what point, you know, do you say, you know what? This is not healthy for me. Right. Um, even if this leader and most people around you are also doing it. Um, mm. That just can mm. happen really easily. And, and for me, I think I aspire that faith spaces because I think faith spaces are important. Um, yeah. I just aspire that they have more balance with letting people 
be connected to themselves and, and think critically yes. and have some sense of individuation to, that's just my hope yeah. um, that those things can coexist, you know? Right. Oh, thank you for sharing that because that is, uh, especially when we're talking about religion and America has a deep um, history with religion and Europe does, and uh, so many of uh, different cultures and countries around the world, but um, you know, we stem a lot from um, Protestantism and Catholicism. And, and, and when you look back at religious leaders thousands of years ago and hundreds of years ago, and even today, that can be abused. And you think of someone like your parents in that situation, um, or anyone where you literally think that if you don't do some of those things, then maybe you're not as spiritual, you're not as religious, right. you're not as accepted. Maybe there's some salvational things tied into that. Like that's huge. Like anyone in their quote unquote right mind, if that was really true, where like they would have more or less favor from God, they would do some of those things. But that's like a very, it's a position of power that leaders, religious leaders are in. And I think that just like this is a side note that is totally relevant. If you're choosing a church or a spiritual community, one of the hallmarks yes. of a healthy community is that they give you so much freedom to just be a human and to be an individual and not make these wild, crazy, like big claims that you have to do certain things in order to be accepted, to be loved by God. I mean, it's just you can't be in a controlling environment because then now they have the say they have like the interpretation of the bible that now dictates your salvation that dictates your acceptance with god that's just so much pressure i was reading this book by wade mullen and it was talking about just how to spot abuse mm. you know in institutions and it talks about any time that there is like a community or institution where there's a sacred role Meaning that this yes. person fulfills a position that like, quote unquote, like no one else can fill or mm. that the rest of the community is dependent on this role existing and operating. Um, these not always, but these tend to be situations that are prime for things like that to happen. They don't have right. to happen and they don't always right. happen, but because of the sacredness and because of the uniqueness of the position Right. Um, it does prime the environment or the context for these types of things to happen. Mm. So depending on who's in that position, you just have to be careful and the level of accountability that's around and what have you. Anyway, that's a great book by Wade, Wade Mullen. But yes, yeah. um, that is just an aspect to look out for. <laughs> you it's, know, um, I think it's I've an been important in, aspect. Yeah. Again, I've been in both types of environments where it's very healthy and individuated and communal and other where there's just like very high control. Um, and it's, and yeah. it's not good for really yeah. anyone. So, um, when we're thinking of people pleasing, I just don't think we can think about it apart from some of these contexts. Absolutely. I think that this is such an important topic, obviously talking about the religious and spiritual influences can feel a little touchy or sensitive, but I think it's real. And, um, whether it's gender religion, um, there are other influences too, that kind of create the constructs in our mind. And if, if anything, if you've gotten anything from this podcast so far, we're just really wanting you to become your own person, to assess, reassess, what is it that's been given to me, handed to me that I adopted narrative stories, beliefs, and what is still serving me and what doesn't serve me anymore. 
And so um, another influence that can influence us to adopt these mindsets of being a people pleaser is even our ethnic or family culture. And this can be kind of big, you know, like this, these are the influences we grew up with. If we saw a mom that overextended herself, that's our reality or a dad that overextended himself at work or saying yes to all kinds of things. Um, these are all things that we pick up when we're young in um, not only the cultural values that we have, you know, as for example, for me as an Asian, you know, there are certain values that we have as Asians that have been with us forever that are part of our values that can be overextended into over apologizing or people pleasing or not engaging in conflict or whatever it is. And so just being aware of some of those influences that kind of create the, the mindsets and the stories that we've adopted. Um, yeah. Yeah. We think a lot about like individualistic versus collectivist cultures. And, you know, in the U S we tend to have more of an individualistic cultures, but like East Asian cultures and Latin cultures, you know, various cultures in our world that also come over to America, um, have this more collectivist culture where the identity is, is kind of rooted within the group. You know, there's, there's a more of a group identity and that we are all tied to one another and we belong to one another mm. kind of thing. So, you know, there are some of us that may come from a more collectivist culture that is rooted in, you know, harmony and consensus and duty and respect for elders and authority. Um, which is not a bad thing, but it may make some more prone to people pleasing behaviors. And again, I think it's just about nuance and just kind of like finding maybe those lines for ourselves. And, and what does that look like to still practice in our cultural ways um, while also still honoring ourselves at the same time? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and, and while we're talking about family, um, some of the things that happen to us when we're children, um, uh, when we grow up in a home, you know, where maybe we were overly criticized or maybe affection and, and love and acceptance were withheld on, you know, unless we performed or unless we did the things like if that, that conditional approval, um, some of those things can also really affect how we view our reality. And if you grew up where your parents were constantly yelling at you and were constantly mad at you, and then the only time, and, and again, maybe it's because they were overworked and over, you know, like they're just frustrated, stressed yeah. out and like life is hard and they took it out on you. Well, now you've adopted this mindset, um, getting into your adult years that, um, you know, people like me better when I'm just more amiable. And so I'm not going to rock the boat. I am going to just do what I'm told. I am going to, even if it means that I'm overextending myself. And so there are some of these experiences that we have as kids that continue to stick with us that um, make us a little bit more prone to not having boundaries. Yeah. Speaking of experiences as children, I think of things like bullying and rejection and ostracism early on that happen. Um, if you dealt with a lot of that as a kid mm. of being outcasted, of being bullied, you know, especially if you're just like a really kind kid or you were just like different yeah. and you probably, and those are negative. You learn these are negative consequences when I am myself. Um, 
people don't like me or, you know, I get bullied or the, are these, these are these negative consequences. So you may grow to learn like, well, I don't want to experience that again. I don't want to experience rejection again. I don't want to experience people outcasting me or not inviting me to things or what have you. So you learn that by people pleasing and by changing yourself to be who, you know, other kids want you to be, or to be more like them or to be more like the popular kids or to be mm. like, whatever it is, like, these are early formative years that we are learning our yeah. social environment. Right. And so as much as people want to be like, Oh, that's just the past. It's like you, you start building these narratives through ob observational learning even then. Um, and so that could have also led to like some low self-esteem and approval seeking behaviors as well to boost our own self-worth. So yeah. I think even experiences like that can kind of teaching, teach us people pleasing of like, what do I need to do in order to be liked by my peers and to be liked by other people because I don't want to feel that feeling again because it made me feel lonely and isolated and it bred maybe some self-hatred or what have you. Mm, wow. um, yeah. And those are really real. Yes, absolutely. And imagine, you know, say you're someone who's experiencing that bullying and rejection at school. You go home, you're also experiencing emotional neglect. Um, over, you know, your parents are overly critical. Um, maybe they're not able to be fully present with you. You just kind of grow up with this hole in your heart for just unconditional love and acceptance. Absolutely, 100%, you are going to become that adult who the acceptance of others is like a drug. <laughs> it's like, right. oh my gosh, it's there's like this addicting. hole in my heart. And, and now I'm finally experiencing people like seeing me and loving me and wanting me when I do this or do that or when I overextend myself and we almost have to teach ourselves reparent ourselves and teach ourselves this new story of like hey you know what we we ourselves are the ones that attract those types of people into our lives that give us conditional love and we are also the people that attract the types of people that can give us unconditional love but unless we raise the bar unless we say mm -hmm. hey you know what i am gonna put this boundary down or no i'm sorry i can't do that we won't be able to give people the chance to show us yes that they would give us unconditional love if we didn't earn it work for it people please and so like to me, just the whole story makes a lot of sense how some people become this way and why it is so deeply, you know, we, you know, especially if you develop rejection sensitivity. Yeah. Being accepted is everything. And so give yourself compassion if you find yourself in that boat where you're like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't know why, but I really need to be accepted. Yes, you know, you do, you have that human need. Give yourself that compassion, allow yourself to learn through the, you know, messy process that there are people who would love you just as you are, but you do have to give them that chance. And that starts yes. with you, like knowing yourself, knowing your needs, putting down those boundaries and seeing who sticks. Yeah. Cause the more that you experience people loving you for who you really are, the more it kind of melts away these other narratives. And that mm. is something that we call, we call it a, a corrective emotional experience. It's where you are now reprocessing these experiences in a new way. 
And that new experience is being stored in your brain. And that in itself is really healing. Um, and we learn a new way of being and we learn a new way of relating with people. And so it is possible. And, you know, I always say people pleasers are my people or recovering <laughs> people pleasers. These are my people, you know, yeah. because I also believe that these are some of the kindest people um, because what happens with people pleasers as well is that we are just like so highly empathetic mm. and these are usually very com- you're probably a very empathetic and compassionate person who also just genuinely wants to see others happy and you are just so conscientious of not wanting to hurt people yeah. because you have had the experience of being hurt, of being rejected, of being criticized. And you've had these negative experiences. And so because of that, you don't want another human being to feel the way that you felt. And that is why you over-apologize. And that is why you say yes to everything. And that is why you conform into what people want and need, because you just want other people to feel safe and happy and loved and not rejected because you felt all those things and you don't want anyone else to feel that. So that really is to me like the kind of the gem of the people pleaser Mm. is that they are just really conscientious of other people and how their actions affect other people. And I I really don't want people to lose that because I think we do need more of that in in our world. I know for me, when I encounter people who like, they just don't give a crap about like how they treat you or how they, what they said would have affected you or how they did would like, they don't even give it second thought. I'm just like, how do you how do you operate in this world like that? Mm. You know, because I know what that feels like and I could never. And so, so I think people pleasers or recovering people pleasers are, are like highly conscientious of that. But the problem is that we end up taking on full responsibility of other people's emotions at the, at the cost of neglecting our own. So that's the only issue. It's not a problem that you are thoughtful of others and that you are conscientious of others and that you don't want to hurt others. Like I never want people to go the opposite route of being cold and hard because people act like those are our only two options in this world. Either you're weak and you're nice and you're soft or you're cold and you're hard and you're like bulldozing your way through life. I think there is a nuance. I think there is a medium. The context. And and it's the context. And people do go into self-preservation mode and they go, you know what? Well, I'm never going to let another person take advantage of me. So I'm going to harden. Um, and even that I think is not a true self. I still think that's a socially constructed self around your defenses. And there's mm. not really even a true freedom in that, mm. um, cause you built your own walls, but all that to say, you know, I know we've talked about a lot of the probably maladaptive, uh, parts of being a people pleaser, but I just really wanted to highlight the really beautiful parts of you. Um, that are really needed in this world and that are really a gift to people and that we need more of and are a part of why you function the way that you do. You don't want other people to feel people's, you know, you don't want other people to feel what you felt. And I think that makes you a really great human being. Um, It's just about finding the balance so that we don't do things at the cost of ourselves and that we do not lose ourselves. And, you know, it's not just saying me first, but it's saying me too. Like mm. me too. I too deserve yes. things that I give to others. I too deserve the respect that I give to others. I too 
deserve the honor and the honesty that I give to mm. others. You know, it's about including yourself in that narrative right. of what you give to others. That's what it's about. Um, right. And so I just want to highlight that, you know, because we, again, with the faith context, we say, oh, put others first. But it's like Jesus also said, treat others as you would want others to treat you. Mm. Right. So there is, you are included in that. Right. It's not just losing yourself and others. And so, again, there are counter narratives to this that are just as valid um, and just as faithful. And we just need to learn those because we have learned too much of the kind of toxic ones and it was put over us as moral and we just need to relearn and unlearn some of these things. Yeah. And that's such a good perspective too, because this is all about stepping back from looking at ourselves, like there's something wrong with us. It's like, no, there are reasons that we do what we do. And I love that um, idea of people like really being genuine and good in their hearts because it is true. They don't want other people to experience what they've had to. And so they go above and beyond, but also being able to like um, kind of <laughs> also being able to just let, um, let go of the need to also be the person that changes the story for everyone else. It's like everyone has their own life. I have to give them the dignity of being able to um, manage their own experience as well versus coming in and saving everyone and saving, you know, the like giving people that dignity of like, hey, I, I trust and believe that people are also able to take care of themselves too. Exactly. Um, people yeah. can cope. People can. Exactly. I think that's a thing that I learned to say too. It's like, people can cope. Yeah. Believe it or not. And you also have to give other people the autonomy to figure things out and to cope as well sometimes. Yeah. Right. So, um, last, last little bit here are some tips that we want to leave you with to let go of people pleasing, give you some mindset shifts and affirmations, as well as just some helpful things to start shifting how you approach your relationships and take care of yourself too. I got this. Mm, tips for letting go of people pleasing. This is like my favorite freedom for today saying, and mm. that is sometimes you have to let people think what they want to think about you and move forward. When you have acted in integrity, and honored your boundaries, you have done enough. So getting to that place so of like, again, we're not talking about you've done someone scandalous and ego and it's like, I'm not apologizing. No, yeah, you, you've acted in integrity. You've honored your boundaries, you know? Um, and no matter what you do, yeah. you know, you're worried that people will think negatively of you. You really have to just know within yourself, listen, I did what I believe is right. I acted according to my convictions. Mm. Um, I acted and I had the other person in mind, but like I acted according to my integrity. Um, and you know what, whatever they think about this, I cannot take responsibility over that. Yeah. Sometimes, unfortunately, even when you're doing the right thing, you are going to be the villain to someone. That's yeah. what I have learned. It's like, 
even when you're doing the right thing in your eyes because it didn't serve that other person or they weren't able to control you or, you know, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. to them, it's like, this doesn't happen all the time, but for some people who are very high controlling and who are used to controlling you or taking an advantage, sometimes that entitlement is like, how dare they speak up to me or how dare they set a boundary or how dare, right? right? They're not used to yes. you operating in that way mm -hmm. or they're used to everyone keeling over to them or what have you. So in some cases, honestly, it doesn't matter if you do the right thing. It doesn't matter how many times you do the right thing. Um, some people just aren't going to like it. Yeah. And some people are going to have a negative thought about you when you start being more yourself, because what's going to happen is you're going to start falling out of alignment with certain people. The more that you fall in alignment with who you are yeah. and that's okay. And that's okay. When you try to win the approval of the world, sometimes you do it at the cost of losing yourself. And I am like, I'll be doggone if I spent my whole life mm -hmm. outside, outside of myself outside of who I am, if I did not live my life in who I was my whole right, life, right? I don't want to wake up on my, now I'm getting morbid. I was like, I don't want to wake up on my deathbed and look back and be like, I never was me. I was, I spent my whole mm. life being what other people wanted. And that actually, if you guys ever read the book, the five regrets of five regrets, the five regrets of like the the dead and dying um, by Bonnie. I forget her last name. I'll link it in the show notes. But one of the top regrets of the people that she spent time with who were on their deathbed um, was that they spent like their whole life being what other people wanted them to be. And wow. that was one of their top regrets. And so for me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like this will not be my no, life. No. Like, so again, just... Sometimes you just have to let people think what they want to think about you. What other people think about you sometimes is none of your business, especially if they're strangers on the internet, yeah. people who don't even know you, you know, it's different if they're close in your life. You know what I mean? Like my closest friends, my husband, my parents, my, like those people I will take into consideration if you are seeing parts of me that I'm not seeing, or mm -hmm. if there are things that are not me that are coming out, I will pay attention to those voices, but it's, it's not supposed to be everybody. No, you know, so. no, yeah, exactly. And I think too, like on that same note, the people that you should care about. And again, we've right. talked about this in the past, right? We've talked about the whole money thing. You only have a hundred, you know, you only have $500 bills every day. Like those are the people that, you know, when you hand out those hundred dollar bills, it's you giving your energy. It's you giving your, like you caring what they think about you. Those are the people who have earned your trust, who have shown you over time that they are loyal to you, whether or not you can serve them, who love you for who you are, and who think the best of you. Those are the people that, you know, you might spend a little time well, right before you go to sleep thinking like, oh, I hope I'm, you know, let me make sure in the morning, let me give them a text, make sure we're good. But everyone else who is just kind of, you know, like, yeah, we want to be kind, loving people, but but really, you know, letting go the truth. When I learned that people are just going to not like me for no reason, sometimes right, <laughs> that right. helped me because I grew up thinking like, how could anyone not like me? Like I've, <laughs> I've done everything. Like subconsciously I was telling myself, I've done everything in my power, my whole life to make sure that no one, nobody ever does not like, like me. me. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm kind, I'm generous. I try to be like, really like aware of people's feelings. And then I just started realizing some people just aren't going to like me because 
they don't like my personality or they are threatened by who I am or they just have different values. They're living on different rules and they just choosing to not like me. And when I realized that that was okay and that that happens to the best of us, I was like, okay, like I can live my yeah. own my own freaking life however I want. I think be kind, yeah. live in my values. And, um, and yeah, so I think it is really, really important to like return back to ourselves mm -hmm. and, um, and also assess our energy. And that's kind of a tip that I would give people is start getting really in tune with what makes you energized, what makes mm -hmm. you feel like happy with yourself like what are when are when are the times in the last month that you've really taken care of your own needs and what did that look like what boundaries did you have to set what did it look like to take care of your own needs did that mean that you were going to do half as much as you thought you would do on a saturday and that you had to cancel those plans and you stayed in and watched a movie and ate food with your loved ones at home instead of going out like what does it look like to be very in tune with your energy and you'll start creating this awareness of when you're starting to cross your own boundary. This can even happen in social interactions. And this has happened to me too, where I used to just laugh when I was supposed to laugh. I used <laughs> yeah. to, you know, like I would like engage socially whenever I felt like there was silence and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so socially awkward. I need to like engage, engage, engage. But I would be like burning myself out and being so freaking exhausted or any of those times. So now I'm very attuned with my energy. And if I'm interacting with people, there will be times where I will overextend a little bit because I've chosen to, mm -hmm. and I've chosen to be like, Hey, you know what? I can go home and rest. And tomorrow's a nothing day. Let me just like give it my all tonight. And even if I kind of don't want to, and then there yeah. are other times where I'm like, I don't need to laugh at that joke. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> And not to be rude, but also to not, you know, like we kind of lie to people in our interactions. With I might them. nod. I might not laugh, but I might nod. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, it's like it's I not hear awkward. you. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. But that is actual energy when you go off and you're like, oh my gosh. Yes. That was hilarious. And da 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 da. And you're like, talking <laughs> out of your butt like you're literally just like trying to make the other person feel something when you are completely depleted inside and all you want to do is just sit there and be like oh that's funny yeah well so tell me about whatever and you know what i mean i'm totally just being so raw and honest right now but that's what i mean by it's assessing so your energy be so yeah. aware of where your energy is and if if you don't want to give your energy, then like find other ways to like preserve and still be kind and courteous and just. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. That's so funny. You said that <laughs> I resonate only because as an extroverted extrovert. <laughs> yes. When I tell you I can carry a whole conversation and I have yeah. done that where I was even like at a table of people and no one's really saying much. Right. No one's really talking. And I literally am like facilitating the entire table, like juggling the whole. So tell me more about this. Oh, really? What is that about? Oh, so when you said this, tell me more. Like, you know, and I've right. done that. And you know, sometimes I actually genuinely am curious. I'm not always, I wasn't always putting on, but sometimes like I really am curious, but right. I feel you. Cause some, yeah. especially 
had that role, because we all take on these roles, I am the Mm -hmm. role of the person, the social person, you know, who keeps everything going and flowing. And so I have to like pause. What I would also used to do a lot, which is a lot of women do as well, smiling so much, like until my freaking face hurt. Then you get home from an event and you're like, oh, my jaw. Like I've really leaned into my kind of RBF recently. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Now I'm like... You think like, oh, like I have to smile in order for people to like me. And then I learn like I can be friendly without smiling all the time. Not only that, but I feel so much more real when I'm just looking people in the face and I'm just listening and I'm just there and I'm just responding and I'm myself and I'm not like plastering everything with a smile. Like I already am naturally smiley. So I'm just naturally smiley. But then it's like I'm doing extra on top of that. You know what I mean? So it's like, so that was the other thing, especially because women are always told to like smile. It makes you look prettier. It makes you look, you know, all that stuff. Um, that's smile like a, you want it's, to. it's literally a small thing, but also kind of a big thing. Like just expressing yourself naturally, expressing yourself authentically. Yes. I like the way that energy feels so much better, even in myself with people like being in my 30s. I'm just so much more true to like my emotions and my expressions with people. They come on more naturally rather than how Mm. I think I should be reacting to people or how I think I should be presenting. And I think other people feel that my conversations are just like so much deeper and the connection feels so much stronger. And I really appreciate that. So yeah, there are all those, there there are all these little ways you're right that we overexpend our energy that maybe aren't really in total honesty or in alignment, but they're like social cues that yeah. we've learned. It's a um, thousand little things. It That's is. That's what it is. The other tip is assertiveness. And assertiveness is a skill. You know, um, literally in therapy, part of sometimes someone's therapeutic t- treatment plan is to learn assertiveness skills. I think everyone should learn these, but especially people pleasers And I think what happens is we get confused between being assertive and being mean, but they're not the same. So I talk about this a lot. Um, Mm. The reason why we don't assert ourselves is because we automatically equate assertiveness to being mean. And it's not. When someone's being mean, you are belittling someone. You are attacking them as a person. You might be name calling, attacking Mm. their character. You know, you are not respecting them or honoring them at all. You are not taking their feelings into consideration at all. Right. That's being mean. There's maybe some intimidation taking place. Uh, There might be some bullying taking place. Those things are mean. But when you're being assertive, you are just directly communicating your needs and you are doing it in a way that is honoring yourself and honoring those around you. And you are respecting yourself and respecting those around you. And you can still do that kindly, but you are just making those things clear. Um, And there, that is not being mean. That is bringing clarity to others about who you are, where you stand and what you need so that everyone can cohesively work together in honesty of right. the reality of where everyone is and the situation, right? So being able to assert, you know, I appreciate you thinking about me, but I cannot take on any more work at this time. Or, yeah. you know, um, I would love to, but, you know, unfortunately, um, 
during this season, I just don't have the time to take on anything else, but you mm. know, maybe we can reconnect in the new year or in a couple yeah. months right. or even sometimes assertiveness is like, you know, I like to think that you mean well, but I have to be honest with you. Um, when you said this, it did, it did mm. bother me and this is how it affected me. And because I really do want us to have a working relationship, I think this is something we should talk about, you know, so that we're on the same page. Like these so are assertiveness good. skills, yeah. right? You're just being clear. You're honoring, you're not name calling. You're not belittling. That's mean. So yeah. I think with people pleasing, and again, this is something you can work on with a coach. This is something you can work on with a therapist, with a counselor. There are great books out there that you can look up. Um, maybe assertiveness skills is something that you need to add as a life skill to look more into for yourself so that you can just develop the language because sometimes we just need the language, right? Yeah, and once right. we have the language, then we know how to clarify ourselves and talk to people. Um, yeah. I think sometimes when it comes to certain life skills, we think these things should either come naturally or we just have them or we don't. And that's not the case. Some of these we just have to learn. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yes. I just think about like neurodivergent people have to learn skills. I'm like yes. technically because I'm, you know, with ADHD, mm -hmm. I'm technically neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. There are things that I have to learn and systems and language I have to put around myself to function in certain ways. And it's not right. a good or bad thing. It just is what it is. So yes, yes. If you're a people it. pleaser, this might be just a skill that you need to practice and learn more. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of this comes, again, from that place of not knowing, not being taught, not realizing, right. not, not understanding that you are just as much worthy of taking care of yourself and being happy and being loved and accepted as the next person. And so when you are able to practice that, practice the emotional boundaries, practice having your own sense of self, your own thoughts, feelings, and convictions. Um, I, I think that is, it's so empowering. And again, it's that place of nuance where you know the other person um, deserves respect, deserves a clear, honest answer, deserves the help that they need, but you also know that you deserve it too. And so you're trying mm -hmm. to find win-win situations. You're trying to be kind and generous about it, but you're also not willing to overextend yourself anymore. You are not willing to, to not listen to your intuition anymore. Right. You are making this agreement and this, this promise with yourself that I do put me first and that is not selfish. And, and even though there might be cultural, religious, whatever influences that are telling me that this is not good for me, I'm going to go with what feels aligned with me in this season. And in this season, if I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I need to focus more on my inner healing. I need to spend more time by myself. I need to let go of that responsibility that I had. Maybe I, I mean, I was so involved in giving, giving, giving in ministry opportunities in impacting, like my whole world was surrounded by helping others and getting, you know, quite honestly, helping people be ready for heaven. <laughs> like that was a huge part of my, That's a my big values, task. a big, huge thing that I would give <laughs> myself to at 120%. And now I mean, I'm realizing, it is 
I know, right? Like those are big high stakes there. <laughs> those are high stakes. And so, but now I'm learning how to give myself permission to, yeah. I mean, even as a therapist, come on now, I'm still a therapist. I'm still out here trying to help people and support them, but I am actually learning for myself yeah. how to just be. And mm -hmm. like, I stopped, I'm not involved in any church ministries right now, like zero. I used to, that used to be my world, I know. So even now I have to remind myself that I am allowed to just be a human. I, like I am still valuable and I am valuable to the world by simply being here and simply doing what I, I mean, I'm still a therapist, like I said, but some of us are, that's our whole identity that it's okay to, to not be involved in so many things. Like sometimes you need a break completely so that you reteach your nervous system and your mind and your heart and your spirit, how to just be valuable by just existing and letting yes. people pour into you and just doing things you love. And I know I'm speaking to someone on here right now that takes skills. It takes practice. It takes the willingness to the it takes giving yourself permission to love yourself as you are right now without having to prove it to anyone so anyway that's another thing is just like you matter that's Keep so good leaning yeah. into take that a, <laughs> take a break i think it's so true it's like if you don't take a break your body will for you i think we've mm -hmm. had those situations where we did it and then we ended up sick or something and now we're like stuck and we are forced to think about life and we're forced right. to think about everything. And it's like, why, how about we don't wait until we have a crisis or our body breaks down yes. to do that? How about we take the break for ourselves before we get there? Because sometimes when you are operating in speed and urgency, um, you are missing an opportunity to focus on direction. And you, it's hard to focus on the direction of who you're becoming and where you're going and how you're healing and growing if you're operating in speed. Um, mm. And and I just want to say there are a lot of people who are going nowhere fast. And I don't mean that to be demeaning. I don't mean it to be demeaning. I say that. That as was some, me. <laughs> like that was me. I'm, I'm speaking to my past self. Like, you know, you're going, going, going fast. But like what's happening internally but is where? not. But where, where, where are you going? Um, and is it, if it's externally driven again, you don't want to climb up a ladder to realize that ladder is leaning against the wrong wall of someone mm. who really aren't what you don't really want to be doing, mm, uh, preach it. um, you know, and then, yeah, just again, as Renella said, having those emotional boundaries. So I define emotional boundaries as just being able to recognize that separation between yourself as an individual and the next person as an individual. And sometimes that means repeating it to yourself. Yeah. I am an individual who is allowed to have my own thoughts, feelings, and convictions, and they are an indiv separate individual yes. who is allowed to have their own thoughts, feelings, and convictions. With people-pleasing, there's a lot of enmeshing that's taking place where we feel like it's all one, and it's not. You don't have to absorb the thoughts, feelings, opinions of everyone around you. Right. Um, and just recognizing that that separateness, there is still a cohesion as a community, but there also still is a separateness because you are still you and they are still them. And you guys are allowed to have that autonomy and it can coexist. Um, there are a lot of people who you recognize they don't allow for that. 
sometimes the biggest sign of someone having healthy boundaries is them allowing you to have yours. When someone doesn't allow you to have those boundaries, that's Mm. actually a sign that they struggle with boundaries within themselves and with others. And so don't take that upon yourself. If someone else is struggling with your boundaries, that is their struggle with boundaries. That doesn't have to do with you being morally wrong for having your own individuated process of who you are um, separate from others and what you think, feel, and believe separate from others. You are allowed that. Um, so yeah, just, um, keeping emotional boundaries in line, those can be the hardest because they are emotional and you can't see them, but you can Mm. feel them. And so just keeping in mind to that, you are allowed to have emotional boundaries. Love that. We have two more tips for you. And the second to last one is take some time to write out what it would look like to truly take care of yourself. What does that look Mm -hmm. like on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? What does it look like to be you at your best, at your happiest, at your most? And you have to start at that ideal place. So does that look like, hey, you know what? On most evenings of the week when I'm done with work, I wanna do these things to help wind down. What does that mean? That means maybe I need to say no to something that's going to get in the way of that. Uh, Maybe it looks like on the weekends, this is what I want my weekend to look like. This is maybe a relationship that I need to distance myself a little bit from because it's draining me and taking so much away from me that I hardly have anything left for me. Assess some of those friendships, quote unquote, friendships and relationships where it's taking more upkeep than it is pouring back into you, especially if you're in your mid twenties and going into life, like late twenties, thirties and above forties, especially you need to start surrounding yourself with people, friends that are more of two way streets than just a one way street or just one and a quarter or something, because those not two way street relationships that that actually depletes your energy too. That's not taking care of yourself. So make a nice list of what does it look like weekly, monthly, daily to really truly take care of myself. And then what does that mean for maybe some of the decisions that I need to make and start start really prioritizing a life that feels peaceful and that feels calm and that feels like like I have enough energy and maybe even a little bit more to expend and I'm not always overextending myself and burning out. And that can feel like kind of scary to do, but you have to start with the ideal, take out that piece of paper and start like looking at what life could be like for you. I'm so glad that you said that because even in my life, you know, there are some people who I notice, like the expectation is just kind of for me to pour out, pour out. And then I have those who I can just truly be myself with who don't have an expectation from me. And those are like my closest, closest friends who really know me and who I know like aren't going to judge me for like being myself. Um, And so I think it's also like managing those relationships and being able to notice, okay, which ones are the ones that I can, uh, receive support from and truly Mm -hmm. be myself with. And then which are the ones that I kind of am more on the pouring out to them kind of side and managing the expectations of those relationships so that you aren't maybe expecting more from those who don't have it to give to you. Right. 
you know. Um, and speaking of that, I think a good tip is actually to practice being in environments and relationships where you can be your true self. Mm. Again, to have that corrective emotional experience we were talking about. So for some people, the only person that they might have is their therapist <laughs> mm. or is their counselor. Or maybe it's a group therapy, or maybe it's a close friend or a, a few people like find those people that you can be yourself with and get yeah. used to the feeling of being loved and accepted for who you are. Because I feel like having those foundational relationships kind of help give you a foundation for how and that secure attachment for how you move through the rest of the world. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like I could care less what anybody says about me on the internet. I have my people who know me, you right. know, and who have seen all of me, who I can be myself with, who I live in honesty with. And that's what matters most to me. And I feel like because I have those, Right. You know, as my foundation, I can just move into the world being more of myself and I don't need everyone else in the world to fill those needs for me because I have those foundational needs in my closest group of friends and my best friends in my therapist, which I have to say, it's funny because as a people pleaser, you might even go into therapy Try behaving in a way so your therapist likes you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it I've is seen normal that for myself too. With some yeah. Of my it is normal to want your therapist to like you. It is actually normal to go into therapy and you are presenting a version of yourself that you hope your therapist will like. Because it's almost like if they can approve of you, then you are like in yeah. the right and then you are accepted because they're the like, therapist. Am I saying what I think my therapist? things I should be saying, <laughs> you know, hey. um, actually that's a good space that if you notice that coming up, be like, Oh, this, this is actually where I need to let that go because they yeah. are here to help and they're here to help me move through things with honesty. Mm. And so just know that that comes up a lot, you know, even performing for your therapist, especially if you're used to it and you're just meeting them. Um, but, but having safe spaces like that, where you can actually begin to check in with yourself and go, oh, wait, I'm performing. Like, oh, wait, I'm not being me. Oh, oh wait, I'm doing the chameleon thing again. You know, take a breath, feel yourself rooted back into yourself, let it go and realign and move forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it is, again, these are skills. These are practices. Sometimes we have to practice a new way of being yes. and it starts with practicing in safe spaces. So beginning to practice being your full self and other feeling other people love and accept you as your full self in these safe spaces that you can then carry out and practice into the rest of the world. I love that. I love that so much. And that brings us to some mindset shifts and affirmations that we want to leave you with. And maybe we can just say um, one each as we go down this list of hopefully, you know, these will be helpful affirmations for you to repeat to yourself because I love affirmations. They also help shift your brain chemistry as far as helping you believe something different. You're believing a different story. You're adopting a different story and the beliefs that you have completely directly affect the feelings that you have about yourself. And so I'll start off with the first one here. And this affirmation says, my value is not tied to my performance. Mm. Another one is I give myself permission to put my needs first. Um, again, the idea that you can only pour out as much as you have. Love that. I don't need to earn anyone's acceptance. 
just let that sink in. <laughs> I am worthy of peace, joy, and balance in my life. Mm. And I am allowed to have my own thoughts, feelings, and opinions. I love these because sometimes you do need these anchor like phrases mm -hmm. or verses. So in the moment, you just repeat it to yourself internally yeah. to help you reground and remind yourself of the agreement that you're making with yourself. As you continue into this new year, that you would put yourself first as far as the amount of worthiness and value you have so that you can value your your energy what you bring to the world you are worthy of boundaries you're worthy of all the things that you need to take care of yourself so that you have energy to give to other people and to just enjoy life and to just be so man this new year is going to be great for you that's what we're praying and hoping for anything anything else you want to leave them with Brittany? You know, I was just thinking like, I feel most myself around people who are most themselves. And mm. so it's interesting because we think we are more likable and safe and whatnot when we are like people pleasing and pretending, but actually it's when you are being your authentic self, you are giving other women, other people permission to be mm. themselves. And you are setting an example of that. So know that this is a different way of actually setting an example on, and of uh, inviting people to safety within Love themselves that. when you do that for you. So I know we're talking about like putting yourself first. And for some of you, you might have that programming that's like, oh, I don't putting myself first. It sounds actually when you do that for you, you are doing it for others. And so I just want to remind you of that. And I know, cause I've experienced that as a byproduct of being around people who do that. Yeah. And it really is a gift to everyone else. So, um, so yeah, just some mindset shifts on that. And, you know, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. And I'm so glad that we're diving into some of these topics in the new year. I know Ronella and I were like, at first we were like going to talk about like the psychology of gold. And then we were both like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't for me I was like that I there's a lot of stuff on goals and resolutions out there. Um I we just both felt like this was a really important conversation especially as we're thinking about who we want to be and the type of people we want to be going into the new year. So we appreciate you guys taking the time to yeah. think about this stuff with us. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Please keep in touch. Go to Instagram, we're on TikTok leave us a comment, DM us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on all of this and any areas that you feel like you need support in. And we're just wishing you a peaceful new year and that you continue to know that you are worthy and that you are loved. Until next time. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.